Hey there guys, and welcome back to the Travis and Damien podcast, episode 130. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and more. Today we are talking about Echo, Sonic Prime Season 3, Pal World, Layoffs in Gaming, and more. But as usual, we're going to start with our recent activities, and I will let Damien go first before we get into my stuff. Yeah, so uh, just like last week, or two weeks ago, I talked about RE4, so I just started playing that, and now I have finished it. And, um, you know, I was saying, like, the game was, like, really good. And, yeah, it was really fucking good. Um, <laughs> like, you know, compared to RE2 and even 3, like, 3 was very starting to lean more towards the uh, action side of things. But, you know, Resident Evil 2 was very, like, you know, survival horror. Like, you were supposed to, like, gather your resources, make sure you don't use too much shit, mm-hmm. um, you know, solve a bunch of puzzles. Um, you know, RE4 kind of just foregoes a lot of that. Like, you still have like, some ammo management to do. Like, it, like every time you go to a fight, you're still going to, like, basically be out of everything. But you are shooting a shit ton of guys in this one. Um, and it's a lot of fun, though. Like, uh, being able to, like, st- like I guess, stagger an enemy by getting enough headshots or shooting them in the knees and then, like, melee, like, kicking them in the face, that, like, never gets old the whole game. Um, you know, just the amount of upgrades you could get, uh, looting things just feels good after you beat a bunch of enemies to get all their money and shit. Um, gaining all the treasures and slotting them into other treasures to sell them for more stuff. You know, it's a very um, satisfying gameplay loop. And, you know, when people say, oh, I played like RE4, the original, like 40 times and stuff, I'm like, that's crazy. But now I get it because, um, you know, the game has a lot of replay value just from, you know, using different weapons or just like exploring other areas you didn't go to or stuff. Um, you know, there's a lot there. And, you know, last podcast, I always said the game had like a lot of content in it. And it, it does. Like, you know, you have the base game. You have uh, Mercenaries, which I did a little bit of, and it's super fun. Basically, you like, put into one part of the map, and then you just got to kill a bunch of guys and get combos, survive as long as you can, and get, like, a better score. Uh, it's very addicting and, and, like, a ton of fun. Uh, and then, obviously, you have the, you know, you have, like, the New Game Plus stuff. You could do challenge runs. Like, there's a ton that this game has to offer. Um, and, yeah, it, it's really good. Uh, again, I can't, I can't really speak from the original to remake, because I only played, like... Um, like the village part of the original game uh and to me i think this is like an improvement but i I don't think any of them cancel each other out like i think the original four still has the more goofy moments in them uh this game is also goofy like don't don't like (laughs) don't think it's like that serious of a remake but you know it it does take itself a bit more seriously than the original four um but i think they both could coexist at the same time and i've seen a lot of people that like the original four also like the remake so you know, I think I think it does what it wants to do pretty well, being like you know it retains the spirit of the original, while still being like I guess like up to modern times, I guess. Um, and yeah, it was just a really good game. I, I can't wait to play more playthroughs of it and stuff. There's just been there's so many games, dude. That mm-hmm. there's like it never stops. <laughs> it's like so many. Like like I'm actually like dying. But um, yeah. Either way, RE4 really good. It's about like 20 hours, so it's pretty long uh, compared to the other RE games. But uh, you got a big, you know big package there so it's, it's a it's a great time uh next uh i've been playing a bunch of final fantasy 14 because i wasn't gonna catch up on that game because uh last year i was barely able to play it because again so many games and i, I couldn't really <laughs> dedicate a lot of time to it um but you know now i've been going back into it uh, i've been doing all the main story i missed uh all the raids and dungeons i, I was missing as well and yeah it's been a really good time uh, like i said uh i think i think last time when don trail or, or when we were talking about most anticipated games mm-hmm. uh, i'm very excited for don trail the next expansion coming out uh you know coming at some point in summer so i have a bunch of time to actually catch up with it um because i don't know if i'm gonna be able to play it too much more now because 
um, Persona 3 Reload is going to come out, and then Final Fantasy 7 Remake is going to come out, and there's a bunch of shit, but <laughs> I'm doing as much as I can. Uh, either way, I've been really enjoying Endwalker, uh, and I'm really excited for Dawn Trail. Uh, Dawn Trail. And then next, uh, I have Last of Us Part 2. So, the, the remaster came out. We're going to do uh, spoilers, by the way, but yeah. go on. Okay, I, I, I'm not like that. I, I'm like eight hours in. I, I, it kind of goes into some problems <laughs> I'm already having. <laughs> okay, so... Last of Us Part 2. So I played Part 1, uh, the remake, uh, I think two years ago now? I think mm-hmm. it was like two years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. But either way, I, I, I loved it. You know, I never played The Last of Us on PS3. Uh, I played the remake on PS5. I loved it. Um, again, I can't really speak for any of the improvements it made because I, I didn't play the original. But I thought the gameplay was actually a lot of fun because uh, it does borrow a lot from uh, Last of Us Part 2. Now that I'm playing Part 2, I'm like, oh, the bitch just made it. In, in part one because yep. all the systems are basically the same so um i, I never got that complaint was like, oh last of us one gameplay isn't that great because you know i played a remake and i thought it was really fun uh but you know that was that was like one bit of the game you know also the characters and story i thought that shit was very good you know joel and ellie just have immediate like chemistry with each other and all the other characters you meet you just kind of care for and stuff and you know it was both great for for gameplay and story you know it was great i can understand why so many people think it's like a 10 out of 10 because I think so too. It's a very well crafted game. Uh, so for Last of Us 2, obviously, is, I've heard you know a lot of things <laughs> about this game over the past three years. And I have done day one. So I've done Ellie day one. That took me like <laughs> eight hours, seven hours to go through. <laughs> so that's a very one complaint is the pacing because I know the pacing is like probably one of the major complaints of this game. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's. Um, that I could definitely see that because I, I do feel like the story is kind of going a bit at a snail's pace of being like this didn't really have to be like seven. I, I, I'm I'm also slower. Like I am slower than most people, so maybe this might have taken you maybe six seven hours. But it's still like a long ass time for like twenty five percent of the game. Apparently on my PlayStation, that said that I'm like really holy shit. <laughs> so yeah, I do think I do feel the pacing is very like a little off. Um, and you know that goes I guess with the story like gameplay stuff. It's basically how I feel felt about part one, just like a bit better because you have more tools and stuff. It's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. you know. Like I think, uh, you know, all the the combat feels really crunchy. Whenever you shoot someone, it feels good. Uh, scavenging is still fun to me. I know some people don't like that, but I like doing that. Um, I really like the interactions you can have between humans and infected, so you can make them like fight each other. That's really cool as well. Uh, so gameplay stuff, I think it's great. Like I think it's fun. Uh, graphics, obviously, it looks fucking great. It, even on PS4, it looked like really good from what I was yep. seeing. But now the game looks even better. Uh, it runs at a really smooth 60 FPS if you wanted to, which is what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, all technical stuff. That shit looks great. Uh, Story wise, you know that is the major concern. And to me, I, I definitely feel like I, I I feel like all these new characters I just don't really care for immediately as much as I did with like Joel or Ellie or even mm-hmm. any of the other characters in Last of Us Part One. I know I'm only eight hours in right now. So, you know, I'm going to reserve judgment until I actually beat the game. But I feel like it was something with Last of Us Part 1 writing where they just, I don't know, like, it was just, you immediately connected with a lot of characters you saw. So, like, Joel and Ellie, obviously, but same thing with, like, Tess and Bill. Like, I don't know. Sam and Henry. Yeah, Sam and Henry. Like, there weren't that many characters in Part 1, but I think that was for the better (laughs) of that game because you Mm -hmm. instantly connected to them. You knew their struggle being, like, the apocalypse and them trying to, you know, survive it and stuff. And it was just compelling the whole way through. With part two, it definitely feels like there's a lot more melodrama this time. Like, there's a lot more just like, like, oh, I'm pregnant and like, oh, I'm this and that. <laughs> and I mean, like, that's fine. But yeah. I, I told my brother, I was like, this feels a lot more like 
how uh, Last of Us Part One felt like the first season of Walking Dead was just this very just like show just about survival and about like what's happening after the apocalypse and all that and it was really good you know i still think the first season of walking dead probably is the best season of walking dead because it was really fucking good and not to say the other seasons weren't good but that's kind of what last of us part two feels like it doesn't feel like the shitty seasons of, La- of walking dead but it started to get into that more like melodramatic sort of stuff that just feels a little more just like uh, we gotta add some spice to these characters so you mm-hmm. care a bit more and stuff yeah. and that's fine but uh, like if Dina dies, I wouldn't care that much. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> like she's fine. Like I don't hate uh, her or anything. Yeah. But I, I definitely don't feel that same chemistry. Like, it feels very forced to me. Like her chemistry with Ellie doesn't feel as natural as with like Joel and stuff. Like it just feels like like oh I love you Ellie. And I'm just I feel like they're, they're saying it a lot more than like yeah. showing it. To, at least to me. I, I don't mm-hmm. like hate her or anything. I just feel like it does feel a bit more forced. And you know I haven't really um, spent time with Abby or anything yet. Besides like obviously the you know the scene um but so i don't really know much about her yet so i'm gonna reserve judgment until i play it but i I feel that the game doesn't have as much of a pull with its characters to me as the first game did and again it's just more just like a basic revenge plot at the moment just like ellie wants to obviously kill uh uh, abby and the rest of the the wolves and stuff and that's about it like we get some other things right now with the um with the what they're called the scars or whatever like they're starting to like show up and stuff now so that's cool but, um, you know, it, it's basically been eight hours of just, like, we got to find this person. And, oh, they're dead. Okay, now we got to <laughs> keep going. So, yeah, like, in terms Fucking of story Tommy, right now. Tommy, bro. My, my yeah, man's on a rampage. <laughs> yeah, and Tommy's just, like, going in. And, you know, I'm like, where's Tommy? I want to find Tommy. That's more, like, the main thing I want to find because I, I like Tommy. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, right now I'm going to res- obviously reserve judgment until I actually beat the game and stuff. Hopefully it could be by next podcast. But, um. Right now, yeah, those are my major complaints. Being like, I don't think the characters are as compelling, and it does feel a bit long-winded at the moment. But um, I guess we'll see how that improves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been three years since I played it. Obviously, it came out in 2020, so I can't really yeah. say much because I everything's a little foggy. Obviously, I remember like the key moments and everything like that, but I think everything you said is valid. I do... Now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, you know, Dina, I was like, yeah, you know, she's always a girlfriend. Like, what else is there to really say about her other than that? And, you know, yeah. Jesse, you know, he's my Asian guy. What can I say, you know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, most of, like, the new characters are kind of just there. And you do get somewhat attached to them. And that's all I'm going to say. Because it's going to get into spoiler territory. But, um, yeah. yeah, I am eager to play Last of Us Part Two again uh, whenever I get the time, obviously, because I am currently sinking my teeth into, unless you got something else to say about Last of Us before I move on. Um, I try to think. Oh, I, was, I, I like the little open world segment. That was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. It was very, like, God of War 2018. So that, that mm-hmm. was pretty nice. Yeah, like, uh, multiple different pathways to go in and whatnot. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. I, I think that was the only time it does it, apparently. I, I don't know if mm-hmm. it does it more. But um, that, that was pretty cool. I like that. So, Okay. But yeah, I've been sinking my teeth into Island Wake 2. And I played the first couple of hours of this before I got COVID. And then we had to yeah. delay the episode. So, uh, But before then, I played Resident Evil 2. Randomly, my girlfriend, Emma, she wanted to play a scary game with me. We tried Dead Space. And uh, that day, we were just really fucking tired. So we kind of just went to bed. Uh, <laughs> we haven't picked it back up then. But she wanted to play Resident Evil 2. And I was like, all right, fine. You know, I have this remake that I bought when it came out in like 2018 or whatever. And I was like, I've never finished it. So might as well start a new game, see how it goes from there. And we did all of Leon A. And that was very chaotic just because we played on normal. And uh, she's not very good at uh, aiming without the aim assist. So uh, <laughs> when we did Claire B, she chose the uh, sort of like easier mode with the aim assist and everything like that. And yeah, I mean, Resident Evil 2 is a very, very good game. I think that 
Uh, when I was playing it for the first time, I was just really bad at it. I mean, I'm still kind of bad at like survival horror games when it comes to like the puzzles, especially. I'm just like, what the fuck do I do? I'm just, I'm so stupid. Um, but the gunplay and sort of managing your resources and getting through the enemies, fucking Mr. X, I hate that yeah. guy. He just makes everything <laughs> so tense because. Yep. You can't stop and think for a moment unless you pause the game because mm-hmm. he's literally going to be right behind you or if you go into a safe room. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Resident Evil 2 is like, if you've never played a survival horror game and you want to try it out, I think that this is like the perfect game to do it because it, it's affordable and it's on PS4 slash Xbox One and I believe they're backwards compatible with the newer consoles. So, And I didn't download the PS5 upgrade until we did Claire B because I didn't realize that that was a thing. But yeah, um, yeah the game still looks great. It still runs fine. Claire B is different enough where it's like you have a lot of resources that they give you but you don't have a lot of space so you have to pick and choose between what you want to pick up and sort of what you want to use so yeah i mean i think claire is definitely a lot faster i know you said this a while ago where you were like yeah it's just like a lot shorter which i think is fine just because you already played through the entire game as leon so now playing it as claire it's gonna be slightly different now you're trying to like protect the uh, daughter or whatever of like this fucked up you know umbrella uh organization so but yeah playing Resident Evil 2 really prepped me to go back into Alan Wake 2 because I'm like oh okay now I can see where like all of these survival horror elements are in yeah. here <laughs> with like the sort of limited resources the healing um sort of how you explore each and every area where there's multiple different pathways and you sort of want to open the map to see if like you've cleared everything like we did that a lot within Resident Evil 2 where we opened the map uh Alan Wake 2 doesn't have that same thing where it goes from red to green is just that they show you on the map if you walked over like a container like you will see it on there um but this game you play as saga or alan wake and for the most part within the first couple of hours of the game you were playing as saga and she is uh in like the i guess like current time she's in the evil world trying to figure out what the fuck's going on within uh, the town and sort of what is Alan Wake doing to this town and then within Alan Wake's part of the story you are figuring out what's going on within the dark place and because of that element both of them have like this this like thing that you could go into when you hit the middle button on the on the PlayStation controller where you go into like a board room so like Saga she's a she's a FBI agent so she's putting like all of these clues together and then with Alan he's obviously a writer so he's gonna put like story elements together the best part about alan's part of the campaign is that you can put certain elements within certain scenes to change it up so like for example you're at like a murder scene and then you get like this element with like uh the cult or something like that and then you put that in and then it changes up how how that spot that you're playing in works and, and it opens up different paths and everything like that and it's very different from alan wake one alan wake one is very much like a survival or not a survival horror it's very much an action adventure game yeah with some some like horror elements it's not like jump scary or or anything like that fucking alan wake 2 man i'm I'm honestly like shitting my pants sometimes because I'm just like, <laughs> fuck, man. Like, I don't want to go through, but I'm like, I got to play this game because I want to talk about it. And it is just so scary. The sound direction, bro, because I'm playing with this headset and I'm playing on my monitor, whenever like the music starts kicking up or like there's no sound at all, I'm just like, fuck, man, I hate this game because it's just like, I'm so scared to just like walk around because I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I'm at the point now where I'm like 15 hours in and I can like, kind of anticipate like when i do a thing i'm like all right i gotta like get ready to like fight some people because like that's probably gonna happen next but man fuck the sound direction man that (laughs) shit that shit actually like scares me because i'm just like the music's tensing up or like there's no music at all but yeah i could see the hype behind alan wake 2 alan wake 2 is like 
well worth the $60 price tag, even though it is only digital. So you're kind of at like the sort of helm of like the, uh, of like those marketplaces, which sucks. But Alan Wake 2 is very, very good. It, I'm still like not done with it. I, I believe I'm, I'm over the halfway point and you could switch between Saga or, or Alan Wake whenever you want. They encourage you to go back and forth. So what I do is that I finish one chapter of Saga, then I go back to Alan and then vice versa. But you could, but you could go back whenever you want. Like you could do a little bit of Saga, do a little bit of Alan and keep switching back and forth. And I think that that's like pretty cool. You know, like they give that player the freedom to play the game how they want to play it, uncover this mystery how they want to play it. And it's pretty cool. Um, I cannot wait to actually finish it because this is a long ass game and it, it has definitely been worth my $60 just because, you know, it, this is like, I guess like my second survival horror game and I'm just like terrified, but also like really, really enjoying it. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt like last year when I, I played like RE2 Remake, Dead Space Remake, uh, RE3 Remake. Like I, playing all these games, uh, I guess Last of Us to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't really count it, but I guess it's in the same kind of mode. I'm like, I think I really like this genre. <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, you know, I, I, it kind of feels bad to get spooked, I guess, but it also feels yes. good. So mm-hmm. like, I'm like, I like this. It's really good. It gets you really fucking tense. Yes. Um, yeah, and uh, I think that's a great feeling. Uh, I'm definitely I'm looking forward to playing Alan Wake 2. I do maybe sometime this year when it's not as busy, I do want to play Alan Wake 1 and Control and then get into Alan Wake 2. I, I definitely do want to do that. If not this year, definitely probably next year, but we'll see. I, I definitely want to do that, though. So Yeah, I didn't play Control going into Alan Wake 2, and you know I kind of get what's going on still. I think that for the most part, you need to play Alan Wake 1 because if you go into Alan Wake 2, like you're playing as Saga, and then once you go into Alan's story, it's like, what the fuck's happening? It's like, well, you didn't play Alan Wake 1, so you kind of don't really know how we got trapped within the dark place. Um, So I would definitely recommend you play Alan and Wake 1 at least. I will go back and play Control at some point because I have purchased it. Uh, At the same time, I I bought Alan Wake 2, but I just wanted to play Alan Wake 2 because, you know, there's so much buzz and hype around it. But yeah, it it is definitely living up to expectations uh so far and then i have a few movies and tv shows so first thing is that i saw poor things this is the emma stone mark ruffalo willem dafoe like this is like a stack cast mm-hmm, got everyone, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, you know it's a pretty weird and interesting movie is what i will say um but it is very very good i think that um you really do have to be like i guess like a sort of like cinema buff to really like i guess like really really enjoy it um so- yeah, exactly. Um, I think that a lot of what this movie does is definitely because it is like categorized as as a comedy. But I think if you don't sort of get that, like it's a comedy, you're not going to be laughing at first because that's what happened within my theater. Like I was laughing and I'm like, oh, shit, no one else is laughing. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm just being fucked up or weird, but I'm like, that was kind of funny. I don't know. But um, yeah. Poor Things is definitely like a very strange and weird movie. I think that uh, I guess the normal general audience, if they go and watch this movie, just just on the fact that it's good, they should prepare themselves because a lot of weird shit happens. So is pretty much what I'll say. Uh, and then last thing I watched was Daredevil season three. Uh, and we will obviously talk about Echo, but I just want to quickly retouch on Daredevil season three. Um, yeah, this is the best season of Daredevil. I fucking love this show. I've literally been obsessed with it ever since we finished watching season three, just because I'm just like, I cannot wait to see what Marvel does bringing this cast back together. And everything about season three is just so goddamn good. Like no episode is wasted at all. Uh, the characters with Charlie Cox, uh, Ellen, Ellen and Deborah, like they are just so good as like that trio, and I cannot wait to see them interact once again on screen. And also the the new characters with uh, 
Bullseye and uh, Agent Nadim. Uh, Agent Agent Nadim is a brand new original character that they brought on for this show, and he is surprisingly like one of the best parts of this season, along with everything else surrounding it. Um, yeah, I just I just really love Daredevil, and I cannot wait to see what they do uh, with the Born Again stuff. But yeah, I guess that will transition into us talking about Echo. So when Echo dropped, obviously I'm a fucking Daredevil fanboy, so I watched I think the first two episodes that night. I didn't binge watch it all, uh, and then throughout the uh, following week I finished it up but yeah uh, just before we get into spoilers uh, I thought it was good I think that for them wanting to do a self-contained TVMA Marvel show I think that it was fine I think episode one could have been maybe a little drawn out more maybe they could have had like episode one be like the whole recap of like literally everything up until that point instead of like mixing it in with the recap and the new stuff because it definitely felt like once again with like most MCU shows like it was rushed a little bit I think yeah. having <laughs> just like the first episode be like the whole recap of like like us fleshing everything out between Kingpin and Echo, I think that that would have been fine. But because that didn't happen, you know, some things felt rushed. Uh, but yeah, I think that the show overall is like pretty good. Uh, obviously, the the uh, the uh, Daredevil cameo was like peak, obviously. Um, <laughs> but I think that the rest of the show is sort of what it's doing to introduce this new street level hero or anti hero or whatever the fuck that they're doing into the MCU. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it as well. You know, I was actually surprised because, you know, after I finished it, I'm like, yeah, that was pretty good. So I went to, like, you know, to see what the general consensus of it was. And it seems like people were a little more negative than I was. Uh, <laughs> like, I think it has, like, a 6 on IMDb, which, I like, I, I would give it, like, a 7. <laughs> I feel like most of the MCU shows are, like, 7s on there. And mm-hmm. it's kind of weird that this one wasn't. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do think... It, you know what they're aiming for the street level like hero stuff uh, i think it does feel different enough like it, it doesn't feel like the other mcu shows at least to me uh the only part where it did feel like that's probably towards the very end where they have to have like some big thing you know um mm-hmm. which is fine but um i think the whole show overall definitely felt more of like what they want i, I didn't watch netflix stuff yet so i don't know if it's like more like that but um, it, it definitely did feel different enough where it felt pretty refreshing to watch after watching so many of the Marvel shows on Disney+. Plus. So it, it, it did feel pretty good to see that. And it was cool to see that, you know, I guess continuing after Hawkeye because, you know, you kind of have to do that at least, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you could, you could kind of get what's happening. Like, the show explains everything pretty well. Like, you don't... you really, I, Like, when they say it was going to be off of uh, Daredevil and stuff, like, you don't really need... Like, I was fine not watching Daredevil and watching this, so you're, you're fine if you didn't do that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think Hawkeye, you probably do need to watch that just a little bit. So you get more of the Echo stuff and, like, what happens, like, what leads to this and stuff. But I think that's its own self-contained thing. I think it was pretty good. Yeah, I think that uh, as a as a you know Daredevil fanboy, you know it was nice to sort of get that backstory to see him fight Maya. But I think besides that, you don't really need to watch Daredevil. Obviously, you will get a lot more characterization with Wilson Fisk, sort of when he talks about like you know when my father was killed and like Daredevil yeah. fans are like, "What do you mean you did it?" And then obviously like at the end, he's like, "Yeah, I killed him with with this hammer that they didn't have the same exact hammer for or whatever the fuck uh, happened there." But um, yeah, I think that uh, for this show being about uh, Echo and sort of having Wilson Fisk become like I guess like the main villain with the street level hero thing that they're trying to do. I think that it was done very, very well, you know, having Wilson face sort of come into the show and have Vincent once again, portray this character was a lot of fun. Um, and having showing what kind of lengths that he was trying to go to have this relationship with Maya was also very interesting because that is kind of like what the character is. Like if he cares about something, he will try to like put his best foot forward. Um, but 
one thing that people were pointing out on Twitter was that like you know he had like that whole I guess like the uh, the eye thing with the whole yeah. you know like sign language sign, shit. Sign language thing. Yeah. And then some people brought up that like within the first season of Daredevil that he fucking learned Mandarin for like his underworld shit, and I was like ah that's like a very like key thing where like he wasn't he wasn't willing to learn signing for her yeah but he was willing to learn another language for that so I don't, I'm not sure if that was intentional or whatever but you know just seeing just seeing this character back again within the mcu in in the way that it is is like awesome for me yeah i will say like the casting on king ping is like has always been like super fucking great like when i see that guy i'm like yeah that's king ping <laughs> i'm like <laughs> that's like legit like you can't get better casting than that like you know obviously his acting is great he just he looks like fucking king ping <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> it's great the casting on him and you know i think the um the rest of the show's characters are pretty good too i, I again i think the main issue is that it was just, it did feel like it needed more episodes. Like, it was only five episodes, and most of them were, like, 30, maybe 40 minutes. So, mm-hmm. it really wasn't that long to begin with. Um, so, like, I felt like we need a, like, it would be nice to get more character, like, realization for uh, her friend. I forgot what her friend was even called. Like, that would have been nice, because, you know, mm-hmm. that seems to be a pretty important person to her. And she only got, like, maybe, like, a few scenes, like, that was, like, mostly about her and stuff. So, that would have been nice. Uh, but it was cool to see, like, you know, the uh, that tribe's traditions and stuff. I don't know if that's what they actually, like believe in and stuff because at the end of this series it's just like thanks to this tribe for helping us with like this show so i don't know if that's like the actual folklore or whatever but it's pretty cool if it is because you know mm-hmm. i think they, they did a good job sort of showing that shit <laughs> and um i did have like the dumbest thought you know when she was like evoking the power of like her past ancestors and like yo it's like sly cooper stop <laughs> like, like, no, you're a fucking idiot she's such a dumbass <laughs> <laughs> like yo tennessee cooper like fucking oh, grand rails <laughs> but, i mean yeah it was pretty cool yeah, with the whole uh, Native American stuff, you know, like that was like a thing that I think some people were well, were hesitant on because the uh, director is like, her power is stupid where she could just echo and sort of like mimic other people's moves. And I was like, I don't know, that seems kind of cool. But the way that they tied it in with this yeah. stuff, it's sort of this new interpretation of it. I was like, okay, yeah, like it makes sense. I think episode five or four, I forget when, when she like talked to her grandma and she was like, you're an echo or some shit. I was just like, this is so corny and so stupid <laughs> in the writing. But you know yeah. what, I'll, I'll let it slide. Um, I think that I guess like the final fight scene between Maya and Wilson Fisk and sort of her just like talking to him and sort of being like, yeah, no, fuck you kind of thing. I was like, okay, yeah, you know what? That's fair. Um, but yeah, I think that the way that they sort of characterized Maya and sort of how they brought in her backstory with the whole car accident, how she got from uh, Oklahoma to New York and how she met Wilson Fisk and sort of how they started working together with uh, her uncle uh, or her dad or whatever. I forget. Yeah, exactly. it's her dad. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, all of that stuff, I think that it was all pieced together pretty nicely. Obviously, it's going to be a little jarring because now they're making the Netflix stuff canon so it's kind of like where was Vanessa and sort of where does this show take place in everything um right. because you know it is kind of like weird to see like oh you know like he was building this relationship with Maya but where was Vanessa during this time and sort of how did that all that happen etc etc you know so obviously MCU timeline shit is obviously going to get fucked up now because no one really thought that these Netflix shows were going to be canon um not even myself but hey here we are Marvel is in a fucking shithole when it comes to Daredevil and sort of like this like street level thing that they're trying to push so they're like all right well we got all these shows so we'll just make them canon but going back onto the show yeah I I just I just really like what they did with sort of like Wilson Fisk and sort of his relationship with Maya because that is like a pretty key thing within the comic books as well and I think that they adapted it pretty nicely all things considered yeah I I think they did pretty well like um 
Like you could tell, like Kingpin did care about her to, you know, like to go after that much trouble to like get her. But you could also tell, like, you know, he still probably just wanted to like use her just for mm-hmm. like, you know, because she's strong. Because <laughs> you know, like, like what she says, like if he really did care, he would have learned sign language himself and stuff. And um, he just didn't, so he just made like a fancy like Google Glass <laughs> to do it for him. But um, yeah, I, I actually really did like their like their dynamic. Where even for her, like she. Like, she also cared about him, but, you know, he's obviously a bad person and she has, like, you know, her actual family to, like, yeah. look after her and stuff. So, like, I thought even at the end, he he she didn't want to, like, hurt him or anything. So, I, th- I don't know. I thought that relationship was really good because it, was, it wasn't, like, a black and white thing. It was, like, this really, like, confusing thing. And uh, I thought mm-hmm. that was really good. Like, same thing when um he beat the ice cream guy. Like, because he, oh, yeah. he just, like, <laughs> he didn't give her ice cream. And, you know, you could tell, like, he, he does care about her and stuff. And, um... Yeah, I don't know. I thought that relationship was was really good because like how like weird and complex it was, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like the TVMA stuff, you know, it was mostly just like them going over the, the top with the violence and the blood and everything like that. You know, nothing ever touches the Netflix stuff by yeah, far. Yeah, you know? it, it wasn't that bad. Like it's just yeah. blood and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like I, I know about the car door scene mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah, the Netflix. Exactly, so, yeah, exactly. so exactly. yeah, but yeah, it, it was nothing like that. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. But I I definitely hope that they push the TVMA stuff a little more, especially within this upcoming Daredevil series, because obviously, like, you know, violence doesn't necessarily have to be there. But when you have sort of this other Daredevil series that you're sort of taking from and you're now making a new one, you kind of have to have that same tone, if you will. Um, But... Yeah, you know, I think that for the show as a whole, you know, the the fight sequences were pretty good, all things considered. I think that there's maybe too much cutting here and there between certain fight sequences, like the one within the uh, the roller rink. I think that that one yeah. people were complaining about because there were a lot of cuts. I didn't notice it when I was watching. Maybe I'm just stupid or whatever. Uh, obviously, I noticed that they tried to do a one shot thing when they when they had that Daredevil cameo. I was like, oh, okay, it's kind of like a one shot, but I could see where like potentially they could have like cut here when they like transition or whatever. But it was still like all things considered good action sequences. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed the fighting a lot too. You know, it, it was it's nice to see more like I guess like more brutal hand to hand stuff because you know we're so used to like with MCU stuff now where it's like just lasers and like you know <laughs> powers and stuff. So it's cool mm-hmm. to see that like just punch the shit out of people or like shooting and stuff. You know, ironically enough, it's like refreshing after seeing things like Secret Invasion, right? So yeah, um, I, I think I think that was pretty good. Uh, I know some of the hits don't look like they connect. And stuff, but I, I feel like it was only a few scenes where it, where it felt a bit clunky, where it just like it obviously didn't hit. <laughs> but um, uh, I think for the most part, it was pretty good. Like, I think the Maya versus Daredevil scene looked pretty good. So yeah, and uh, I guess one last thing I want to talk about is like I guess like her dynamic with her family, and I guess like the friend character that you were alluding to, I believe, is yeah. her cousin or whatever. Yeah. So you know, I guess like all of, of this like family drama stuff, I think that that was done pretty pretty well as as well i think that you know sort of her having that conflict with her grandma you know it's just like you two just need to talk i was like yeah i think that that is just like the best course of action there and i think everyone was sort of just like echoing that if you will um (laughs) but yeah i think that uh making us care about her family dynamic and sort of the people around her and us getting to know her town within oklahoma was done was done good um I forget the fucking joke character that we first meet with in episode one. Um, uh, but which biscuit? Are you yeah, talking about yeah, that yeah. guy? 
Yeah. That guy was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Biscuit. Yeah, he, he was pretty fun. Um, yeah, I, I really did like most of the characters in the show. Like, none of them, like, annoyed me or anything. Like, I thought the... Even the comic relief character, I thought, you know, he had his, like, little badass moment with his, like, monster <laughs> truck at the end. Uh, and it was a good time. Like, I really liked the the, fi- the finale with the powwow scene. Like, that, that was a really fun, like, just sequence of events that was happening. Um, but, yeah, I think overall the show was, like, was pretty good. You know, like, it was nothing, like, amazing or anything. But I, I do think it was good and... Could hopefully be a good start for this Marvel Spotlight thing they're doing. And um, hopefully we see it continue to get better in quality with uh, Daredevil Born Again. Because, um, you know, I know a lot of people have really high expectations for that. And if they mess it up, I know a lot of people would not be happy about <laughs> it. So uh, hopefully they could really, like, learn the mistakes of this show and then, like, sort of, like, improve upon it in the next Spotlight. But overall, I think it was pretty good. Um, you know, I didn't hate it like some of the other Marvel shows. <laughs> so that's good. So, Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I guess uh, we'll quickly talk about, I guess, like the castings that they've been getting and sort of like the things that we that they've been talking about about Daredevil Born Again. Uh, so before the show got the whole overhaul, just like contextualize this stuff for some people if, if they don't know about it. Uh, so pretty much what they had with Daredevil Born Again, because they were filming last year, uh, is that Charlie Cox wouldn't suit up until like episode four, and it was much more of a law drama and i believe foggy and karen were both dead at the start of the series so that obviously had a lot of people upset not just the fact that he wouldn't suit up until episode four but also the fact that two of the main side characters were just dead off screen and that's kind of just like well if is it like the snap or are they just like dead dead kind of thing and we may never know and for the fact that what they had so far was just so bad for kevin feige and everyone else to just be like i we're just going to restart and just redo everything. And it seems like now it's going to be Daredevil season four, kind of not really. Obviously it's going to be under the, the Marvel studios banner. So it's hopefully it could hit those same high marks that the Netflix show did. Uh, but my expectations are still kind of like timid, if you will. I'm not, you know, having like super high hypes about it, but you know, just seeing uh, that the original actors are coming back, such as Bullseye, Foggy, and Karen, that they're reportedly going to come back within this new show is going to be great. Uh, I know Karen and Bullseye may be only appear in three episodes or whatever, and I know they're chopping the episodes down from 18 to potentially 13 or 12, closer to what the original Netflix show was. But yeah, I mean. I'm excited for this. Uh, obviously, uh, Vincent also confirmed that they sort of made the, the Netflix shows canon once they were doing this overhaul because they were, once again, like I said earlier, it was like, well, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. So let's just try to use this stuff and then just bounce off of that. And I think that that's a very good move because obviously after Echo came out, which was another sort of thing that happened is that Daredevil saw a spike on Disney Plus alongside The Punisher and also Hawkeye. So... Yeah, so, I mean, this is all great news. Like, you know, I was seeing a lot on Twitter where it's like, damn, how bad was the original script to make them be like, all right, we're just going to make season four instead. But yeah. um, I, I think this is just less work for them, too. Like, I think, like, you're right, we have the groundwork covered and, you know, just get the people that want to make Daredevil, let them do it, but it's canon to the MCU, and there you go. That's it. That's all you got to do. So, you know, I think it'll keep all the fans happy and it'll keep things, like, less messy, at least, like, from the outset. I mean, it right, looks like it's going to be less of a messy production because it's like, like, look what the fuck they were doing with the other <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, this should hopefully keep everyone happy, but I guess we'll see. And it does make me interested to see if they'll continue any of the other Netflix series. Like, I don't know if that is just, obviously Daredevil because it's Daredevil, right? Like he's mm-hmm. the most popular. Like just yeah. not even from the shows, just because he's Daredevil, right? <laughs> so I, I do wonder if like Jessica Jones or Iron Fist or whatever, if they're gonna make comebacks or whatever. Um, that'd be pretty cool if they were. If you know, if you were a fan of that 
series and stuff. Uh, but I guess we'll see. I don't know if they're going to do more like uh, spotlight heroes, like of, of different stuff, like and fit it into this or what. But I don't know, man. It's going to be weird. Like, is, <laughs> is, is Tom Holland going to be in this? It's going to be like, yo, hey, Daredevil in New York. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't really know. I don't know how they're going to do this. So. Um, uh, we'll see. Again, the MCU has been such a fucking turmoil. I just want good stuff, right? Like, that's yeah. all I really care about at this point. Um, mm-hmm. If it connects together or what, like, I'm kind of over it. I just want the thing to be good. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I w- we'll see what happens with this. But um, hopefully it's good because uh, I am going to start Daredevil soon because it's not supposed to be too, too much Marvel stuff this year. So I can yeah. really catch up with that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I think the next big Marvel thing is Deadpool 3, which is yes, uh, yeah. in July, late July, and they just wrapped filming. So that's a long ways away. But um, yeah, I'm just excited to see what they're able to do with this new canon that they've now sort of cemented within the MCU. And just let me know when you're rewatching Daredevil, because before this podcast, I was actually rewatching episode one of season two, because I was just like, fuck it, why not? Because <laughs> I, just, I just love this shit so much. And I'm probably going to read some Daredevil comics soon, because... I'm just excited to see what they could do. And hopefully, uh, like you said, it doesn't flop because if it does, you will see 20,000 video essays on YouTube about it, about how it's so fucking bad. Uh, but I don't want that, obviously, uh, you know, but we'll just have to wait and see. All right. So I guess we can move on with the news. Uh, I could start. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah. So Until Dawn is getting a bunch of stuff. Uh, so Until Dawn's getting a movie adaptation in the works. Uh, I don't really know. Hold on. Let me uh, let it load up. So <laughs> uh, Shazam. Wait, the guy who made Shazam is directing this? Yeah, uh, apparently. <laughs> like the first one? <laughs> I hope it's the first one. <laughs> but, I mean, um, he directed both of them, so. Oh, uh, okay. Well, hopefully it's better than the second one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but either way, that's getting a movie. I don't know how well that's going to work because I feel like the whole point of Until Dawn was to make your own decisions and stuff, and that's what made it super unique. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it just works better as a video game. Like I feel like if you make it into a movie, unless they do something really crazy, like unless they do something very creative and weird with this movie, I, I just don't see it being as good as the game. Because the game is, the whole point of it is like, oh, I'm going to do this like this or that like that. And, you know, it plays out as, you know, you would playing it. And, you know, Until Dawn is not really, it's a game, but, you know, it's not like like that action intensive or anything. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like a movie's kind of missing the point of what made it so cool to begin with. Yeah. Um, but if you do want to play the game, uh, it's it's coming to PS5 and PC ports are also happening. So that's cool. I actually never played it myself. I just like watched yeah. people play it. I'm sure that's mm-hmm. what most people did. But um, <laughs> I, I feel like making it a movie is kind of missing the point, I, I think. But I don't know. Maybe it could work for more general audiences. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely hitting it right on the head. Until Dawn is pretty much like you're playing a horror movie like yeah, that's pretty much that's it. the whole point <laughs> yeah it came out in 2015 so it is kind of Jesus. old at this point so oh, right. for them to put it on pc and have an, a ps5 version i think that that is totally fair especially since uh apparently the ps4 version just had some performance issues with like the frame rate and whatnot so if it can go on pc and also ps5 and have a stable frame rate i think that that would be great and also just introduce people to until dawn uh, just like damien i i watched uh, i believe phase jev play it just because i was i was a pussy when it came to horror back then obviously nowadays i still am to a certain extent but i'm 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 not afraid to have that controller in my hand and sort of have it play out but yeah until dawn is 
is like I said, a horror video game that you're pretty much just playing out. You're playing out that movie scenario, and if you miss a single QTE, the character may die, which is kind of crazy. Uh, which is why most people who play the game, at least a few characters, are gonna die either way. There are playthroughs and runthroughs that you can have where everyone lives. That's obviously extremely hard, and you have to do very specific things to get that. But I think that for them to make a movie about it. It could work. It could possibly not work as well. I think that if they were to cast the people to do this, why not just get the the, the original cast from Until Dawn? Because all they did, I believe, was just like mocap stuff. So just get them to act out within this new PlayStation horror movie that they're trying to make and see 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 how that pans out. Because I think that that would be pretty cool as well. But you know, if there's like a huge twist behind it, or maybe they're doing something crazy with it, I don't know. But we'll just have to wait and see exactly what this Until Dawn movie will entail, if it's even going to come out at all. Mm -hmm. All right. So now we got uh, a what if version of Star Wars is reportedly in the works and they have officially shown what if Marvel season three. So first with the Star Wars thing, a what if version of Star Wars? Um, I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, obviously, me and Damien have uh, very negative opinions on the Marvel what if stuff so far, (laughs) just because it's just been like kind of trash uh you know there's a few standout episodes between both seasons but i can't say that the whole seasons between both of them were good um so if they were to do a star wars version obviously there's a lot of interesting things that they can do like what if ben solo was good and didn't turn into kylo ren and a bunch of other stuff that i can't think of on the top of my head but yeah you know like there's a lot of (laughs) a lot of interesting star wars characters that they could sort of twist around and sort of make good or bad or whatever do do interesting concepts with it uh will it be good i don't know i just hope that they don't connect everything together like that's just like my one thing is that if you're gonna do it a anthology series about what if you know quick little stories just don't connect them like there's no reason to connect them at all and with this whole marvel what if season three i'm just like all right well we have sam wilson like that's cool we haven't seen him since fucking uh the falcon show i think that that is awesome to see him in something at least but uh the mech stuff looks pretty cool as well i can't cannot deny that you know seeing that captain america mech i'm just like okay yeah like that that looks cool but like other than that it's like what are these stories going to be are they going to be engaging enough for me to be like okay yeah like that was worth my 30 minutes of time or is it going to be another what if season two scenario I'm like honestly shocked they're even continuing it because like <laughs> I, I don't really like hear that much people talk about to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm so sh- I'm shocked I had a season two, and I'm I'm even more shocked they're considering it for Star Wars. Um, you know, like I would rather them continue Visions. Like like again, I thought Vision season two was fucking great. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I thought season one was like pretty good, uh, but I thought season two was like so unique and cool, and I I loved it. Like you know, along with Andor, like I think that's some of the best like Star Wars like I guess more like stuff on the side that's really good like they're not movies mm-hmm. i guess um so i'd rather put their money into that but i guess we're if we're arguing a what if star wars thing like you said just don't make it connect you know come up with some interesting stuff i guess um but even then i feel like a lot of the the what if such situations in star wars and we're like generation spanning so if you put like what if Obi-Wan, like, died in Musafar or some shit, like, mm-hmm. at the end of episode three? Now, that's going to have to be a whole thing, I guess. But I don't know. I, I feel like there's, like, there's a lot of cool things you could do, but I also feel like I don't care enough for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, with Marvel, what if season three? I'm just like, all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> again, th- yeah. there's some good episodes. Like, I still feel, like, that Doctor Strange episode in the first uh, what if, I thought was actually very good. Like, I thought that was mm-hmm. really good. And apparently Marvel did, too, because they, they keep, taking like supreme <laughs> doctor strange and stuff but um 
you know, like, I feel like a majority of the episodes are just kind of mid. And I'm hoping that doesn't happen with Star Wars, but it, it's probably going to happen. Like, they might have some meme episodes, like Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord <laughs> and stuff, you know? Like, have, have those fun episodes. But I don't know. I'd rather them just keep putting money into, like, Visions and making other studios do better stuff. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, I definitely think that marvel what if season three is happening because they probably had those animators working on stuff while yeah. the while the strikes were going on they were like well Makes you sense, know yeah. you guys could do stuff but we can't have like the voice actors or anything within the booth so uh here's what we got yeah, just animate this stuff and then we'll get back to you and uh it'll come out so that's probably what happened that's just my theory obviously but yeah i just hope that we just get you know some good some good media like that's all i can really ask for i don't give a fuck if it connects or whatever you know even though star wars visions you know they had some stinker episodes or whatever as as yeah as i guess we would call them but even then they were still fun and enjoyable and something new you know i think that that is also very important yeah i think they're all like unique enough to like pretty much stand on their own. like yeah some of them aren't as interesting as others but you can feel like they tried <laughs> i guess mm-hmm. so and i can't say that about all the what if episodes so <laughs> All right, so next, we finally got the first uh, actual trailer for the Netflix Avatar The Last Airbender series. Um, so, you know, I think right off the bat, uh, it looks way better than the uh, than the movie we got uh, all those yep. years ago. Um, I think all the characters look, you know, uh, I think all the costumes and stuff look really good. Uh, the CG looks very impressive on a lot of the monsters and stuff. Um, you know, I think Avatar has some pretty unique, like, I guess monsters because just like oh here's an ostrich bird or whatever <laughs> and they look good um, I, and I think from some of the bending they've been showing actually looks really good like the the fights and stuff you know since um, Avatar Ravi took from a lot of real life um, sort of fighting styles in the show I think it actually translates very well into live action just like just them fighting and stuff um, and the effects look good as well you know the movie. Uh, the Shyamalan movie looked fucking terrible with its effects, <laughs> but this movie, like I'm, I'm sorry, this show's effects looks really good, and the the fighting looks pretty good as well. Again, I don't know about the acting. I don't know how these characters are gonna be portrayed because it's just a trailer, so I don't really know. But I think just visually, it does look really good. Like it looks like Avatar if it was in live action, and that's good. But again, is there like you know, if you're a fan of Avatar, should you just should you watch this or the and uh, the you know the animated series? I don't really know, but uh, I'll probably give it a shot and see what I think. But um, you know. I always know the animated show is there, even if this one isn't that great, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. I think that visually it looks good. I think that no one can really deny that. Like they definitely tried their best to be as accurate to the animation as possible and sort of have it translate into live action stuff. And it looks good. Uh, obviously, I think I've said this before, but the problem is that, well, will these performances land? Will they hit the same beats as they did before within the cartoon and obviously what are they going to cut out from the cartoon obviously there's like you know some filler episodes and things yeah (laughs) you could you could cut some of that stuff out to go get to like i guess like the main point of what this show's about and i think people need to remember that the original creators left this netflix project so i wonder why they left it what kind of changes did they make to make them sort of be like yeah no we're done here uh so yeah i'm just curious as to how good or how bad this show is going to be obviously with the last netflix live action adaptation project that was huge which was one piece and then after that they shadowed or sort of low-key dropped uh Yu Yu Hakusho which people have been saying is pretty good as well 
Um, I just haven't watched it yet, but I think that with this Avatar Last Airbender series, I think that it it is definitely going to live up visually, but how will it land in its execution of the actors' performances, the jokes, and everything like that? Because people need to also remember that Avatar was a very funny show, and I think that Mm -hmm. some of these jokes within this trailer didn't land for some people in sort of how they were delivered, so... I wonder yeah. if we're going to get any more of that stuff. <laughs> uh, some of it did felt pretty low energy, like Sokka, like especially felt pretty low energy <laughs> compared to like his animated version. But, um, you know, I, I, I still don't think that's fair to like judge it just based on the trailer. Like I'm going to have to watch it to really see, but mm-hmm. I still don't think, cause you know, it was still a cartoon. So it was still, you know, a little silly and stuff. It was allowed to be silly. This definitely seems to be a little more geared towards like a bit more serious. Like let's, you know, bring in more of the big boys in here you know what i'm saying so <laughs> yeah um which i guess is also fair but I, I do hope ang is also like as silly as he was in the cartoon because you know i felt like this one makes him like you know a fun character to follow around and stuff like his more innocent child mentality faced with these like horrible stuff that's happening and you know all the other supporting characters as well so um yeah i guess we'll see again visually looks great uh we're just gonna have to see how the actual story and stuff holds up and what changes they actually do to the show um you know it's been actually a while since i even watched the animated series uh you know it's mm-hmm. been a few years so uh maybe i'll do that and rewatch that again as well after this but um I mean, I'm only expecting them to go up to the first season. Like, I don't expect them to do any more than that. But yeah. I guess we'll see. So, Yeah. All right. So now we got a rumor that has been floating around online is Hayden Christensen is rumored to voice Shadow in the Sonic 3 movie. So I believe there was a news thing that came out shortly after he did his Ahsoka episode that he was looking to get back into the acting space and he was looking for an agent and, and whatnot. So if this rumor is true and he ends up being Shadow within Sonic 3... The movie, I think that that would be a great cast. Obviously, people have been fan casting others like Keanu Reeves uh, and several other actors to take on this role. Uh, and I think that Hayden Christensen is fine. Uh, a lot of people have been sort of quote retweeting this and sort of uh, putting, I believe, old clips of Sonic Adventure 2 next to Hayden Christensen's performance within Star Wars Episode 3. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, you can kind of hear it. Obviously, he's a lot older now, so I don't know if, if it's going to sound the exact same. But, you know, obviously, this movie is going to be huge because it has Shadow in it. And Shadow is a big pull for a lot of Sonic fans and also just general audiences in general. Look, look, it's the evil Sonic. Like, how are they going to make this movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I think that this would be a fine casting choice. I hope that they have Maria shot uh, on screen. Not exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, I hope that they deliver Shadow's story justice. That's all I can really hope for. And, you know, if Hayden Christensen is the voice behind this character, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I wasn't, when this news first, like, well, not news, rumor, when the rumor first broke out, I was just like, like, can I see that? And then I went to, you know, rewatch some, like, like episode three clips. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I could see that as, as Shadow. Again, his voice is, you know, I don't know how his voice is, like, now, because, you know, he talked a bit in Ahsoka and, and whatever, and it still sounds kind of the same, but, you know, I don't know. I don't think he has ever really, like, voice acted too much before. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he brings that into Shadow. But I could definitely see him as Shadow opposed to, like, Keanu Reeves. Like, Keanu Reeves' <laughs> voice is too deep for Shadow, I think. But, um, you know, um, I guess we'll see. I, I, again, Shadow voices, I, you know, you're always going to think of uh, Jason Griffin, right? Because he was the one mm-hmm. that did, um, you know, him originally, I guess. Um, yeah. Same thing with, um, I, I really like Prime's Shadow voice. Like, that's probably my new favorite Shadow voice. Uh, we'll talk yeah. more about that when we get to it. But, um, you know, I have a certain, like, idea of what a Shadow should sound like. And I, I think he could nail it. So, uh, either way, I, I'm very excited for this. You know, when, when that post-credit scene dropped and it was Shadow, <laughs> I, I fucking freaked out. I'm like, no way to doing that. Um, like you said, I want Maria to be shot. <laughs> we need, we need it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess we'll see 
what they're, what's going to be canon and what's not going to be. Are they going to do Shadow the Hedgehog shit? Is like Black Doom going to be in there? I don't know. <laughs> um, I want at least like Bio Lizard and shit, but I guess we'll see. Um, so yeah, either way, I, I'm like way more hyped for this. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm unnecessarily hyped for this movie <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> so I hope it's good, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we grew up around the time when Shadow was like in his prime and everything, yeah. you know, with the uh, SA2 and then obviously the Shadow of the Hedgehog game came out after that. So, you know, to see Shadow come back in the, the spotlight a little bit within Sonic Prime and now with this movie, it's exciting. So mm-hmm. yeah, after years of him being kind of neglected, it's nice for him to uh, <laughs> make a big comeback. All right, so uh, we got some more news here. So Indiana Jones and the Great Circle got its gameplay revealed during the Microsoft sort of direct thing they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is made by Machine Games. So they made the new Wolfenstein games. Uh, I think is like New Colossus and uh, the other one that I'm forgetting the name, of, <laughs> name of. But they were good. You know, a lot of those uh, Wolfenstein games were good. And sort of the big, I guess, thing about this game it's it's in first person. Like we knew about this already. Like when they first revealed like the teaser for it, they said, you know, it was going to be first person because that's what Machine Game does. Like they do first mm-hmm. person games. And for some people, that's like sort of like a big turn off. Is like, why not just make it like Uncharted and stuff? And I, I was kind of like that too. I'm like, it's kind of a weird direction to go for. But um, now seeing it and stuff, I'm like, I don't know. Like, it does make it feel a bit more unique because, you know, we have so many Uncharted-like games nowadays, right? So I feel like going for that first person sort of almost like Metroid Prime <laughs> sort of thing, yeah. where it's like this big exploration, you know, you have a lot of puzzles to solve in first person, and you still get to see indie a lot in these uh, third person shots to do. So, you know, you, you still are Indiana Jones and shit. Uh, just like when you're playing Metroid Prime, you know, uh, Samus goes into third person quite a bit. So, you know, you're playing as Samus, like, you know, that's your character. So I feel like they're kind of doing the same thing there. Um, and I, th- I think it's working pretty well. Like, I actually think the gameplay looks pretty cool. You know, like, um, you have your whip still, you got some gunplay, a lot of puzzles. You know, it's basically what you would expect from an Indiana Jones thing. It feels very authentic. Uh, the music, uh, the game looks just graphically pretty good. Uh, yeah, pretty good. I, I'm not like a big Indiana Jones fan to begin with. Like, you know, I watch all the movies and stuff, but I'm not like a diehard fan or anything. But this looks like a good time, I think. Yeah, I mean, I still have to watch the Indiana Jones movies before I get into this game because I'm actually kind of excited for it. Uh, I even asked my brother if I could borrow his Series X when this game comes out so I could actually play it because <laughs> I'm not sure if my PC could handle it. But yeah, Indiana Jones in the Great Circle, I was very surprised by watching this gameplay trailer to see how they were going to pull it off. And yeah, it's a first-person Indiana Jones game. And like you said, we we have a lot of third-person action-adventure games. You know, we have the foreign charted games. We have the uh, new Tomb Raider reboot yeah. that they did a few years back. So there's plenty of games within that genre that will fulfill your third-person action-adventure sort of fill if you will so to have one within first person and you're playing as indiana jones as well where you get the whip and you shoot guns and everything like that solve puzzles i think that that's gonna be a lot of fun and uh we have troy baker i believe he is playing indy which is pretty cool i mean uh you know troy baker i feel like years and years ago you know he was was pretty much fucking everywhere and he, he kind of still is um so to see him in this role and sort of embrace indiana jones is very very nice and yeah i'm i'm excited for this game it's coming out sometime this year we don't know exactly when but it is scheduled to come out this year i believe exclusively on xbox consoles along with pc yeah and it's not like you can really ruin the indiana jones franchise much <laughs> anyway <laughs> you know crystal skull exists and I, I haven't heard great things about dial destiny either so um you know it's whatever so if you're worried about indiana jones lore like it, it can't get worse than now so and it looks pretty good either way it looks like they're excited to really uh embrace that and you know, it's kind of like a whole thing with, um, I know it's kind of a side tangent, but uh, I know some people are kind of afraid of these big companies doing like just not their own IPs anymore. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, you have Ubisoft with Avatar, Star Wars, uh, Asaniac with uh, all the Marvel stuff, uh, Machine Games now with Indiana Jones. Like, are we, you know, some people are afraid that, will these big IPs take over, like, more original IPs? And I, I don't really think so. Uh, I think, you know, I think strong original IPs are always going to do pretty good just to embrace new things. But it is nice to get these, like, big AAA stuff of things we always wanted, right? Like, there was never really a good Indiana Jones game. Uh, You know, Star Wars games are kind of far in between of being, like, pretty good. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Spider-Man has some pretty good games. But, like, things like Harry Potter, you know, that never basically had any good games (laughs) until recently. So, you know, I think it's pretty cool to see AAA developers kind of pushing for these more... I guess not their own IPs, but making them something into how it would work in a video game. But um, I guess we'll see. I know there was a lot of doom and gloom about that, especially when the Sonic stuff. Um, but I guess we'll see how that pans out in the future. And, you know, if all gaming is just, like, not gaming <laughs> IPs anymore, then we could worry. But right now, I think it's kind of cool to get this stuff. But, yeah, tangent over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that... You know, having these AAA studios take on these big IPs is good because it, it it allows the industry to introduce games to potentially new players as well. Like, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that played Hogwarts Legacy that possibly haven't played a game in, in a few years because it's like, I fucking love, I love Harry Potter. And it's like, yeah. well, now you got a really good AAA Harry Potter game, you know, despite, you know, JK Rowling and all that other stuff. You know, you have a really good Harry Potter game now. And same thing could be said with this Indiana Jones game. And I'm sure some of those people that really wanted to play a Indiana Jones game may have played the Uncharted games at this point. So now to get one with the official sort of like Indiana Jones license and sort of have that whip and sort of all that gameplay stuff, I think that that it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, when we get to the point where there's maybe too many, I guess, like AAA IPs only, I think that that's when we could panic. But I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon because we still have great games like Alan Wake 2 that came out last year that's like still you know, people are getting impressed by, including myself. So I think that we're still far from that. And, you know, obviously Insomniac Games are still continuing with their Marvel stuff, but, you know, they have some other things that they're working on behind closed doors. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't think it's any time to panic yet. I think it's just cool that we're getting these games uh, at the moment. So, yeah, let's just uh, let's just get the good times for now, and then we panic <laughs> later. <laughs> exactly. Uh, next bit of news we got here is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. They have their free post-game content map. Uh, they showed it off, and uh, the first season, they're going to have a playable Elseworld Joker along with a bunch of other playable environments, new guns, uh, new episodes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I haven't played the game yet. I watch a little bit of uh, Tarek, who's a Valorant slash CSGO streamer play, because obviously he got sponsored to play it, and he sucked ass at it, I'll be honest. But just seeing, like, the elements of it, where it's like, after every single level, you, you get to see how much damage people did, and sort of like that score bar and everything <laughs> yeah. like that. I think that I think that, that could be, like, a lot of fun, you know? Even though, like, this game has been through hell when it came to, I guess, like, press and, and everything like that, I think that when the game does come out, it's probably going to do well, and it's probably going to sell a lot of copies, because that's the same thing that happened with with uh, Gotham Knights. And Gotham Knights came out and it was actually like broken and kind of bad. But people like me still bought it because it's like, well, I could play as one of the Batman sidekicks and play with my friends. Like that's like a cool thing to do. And even though that the Suicide Squad characters are not as well known as, you know, Robin, Nightwing, etc. It's like, well, you get to play as, you know, four superhero characters, one of them being Harley Quinn, who's pretty recognizable. And now we're going to eventually get the Joker, you know. I think that the game is is probably going to be a lot better than a lot of, than people are expecting. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's kind of weird with this game. I, I don't think this game is going to do well as a live service game. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to have the legs for that. But I think as a solid 15 to 20 hour co-op game, 
I think it's going to be pretty okay. Like, I think, you know, from what I've been hearing from the previews and stuff, like, people actually have been really enjoying the cutscenes and stuff. Like, they think it's pretty funny. Um, just, like, just playing it together, like, the movement and stuff is good. Um, and, you know, if you just want that solid 15-hour co-op experience, I think it's going to deliver that. The thing where I think it's going to falter is definitely on, like, it being a live service game. Like, I, I just don't see it having enough legs for that, you know? Like, um, just, like, from the gun variety, from the, how the characters all just, like... Yeah, they're there, but like they're all just using the guns anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Like that's where I think the game's gonna fall apart. Like I think the initial experience is gonna be pretty good. I mean, that's basically the same thing that happened to the Avengers game. Like, you know, people pan on it, but you know, the initial campaign was pretty good for a lot of people. And just like afterward, it can't really keep up with the live service like demand and stuff. And I feel like Suicide Squad is gonna have the same similar fate. Because when I look at gameplay, I'm like, it does look fun. Like, you know, I think the traversal looks like a ton of fun. It looks really pretty. I think the cutscenes, like some of the scenes I uh, scenes I have seen. That, that was hard to say. Um, <laughs> are, are pretty good. Like, I saw a lot of the Flash stuff, and it, it was pretty funny. So uh, I think the game is going to be like kind of a mixed bag, but I think initially people might like it a lot more than they are saying at the moment. Because like, you know, it is really negative, and I do understand that. But I, I think the game will do sort of okay in the beginning, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, and because it's coming out so early on in the year, I feel like when the game does go on sale on Black Friday, because it probably will do that later this year, there's going to be another spike of people that are going to play it. Probably me. I, I'm not sure. I might buy it at launch. I'm not entirely 100% sure because it is a $70 purchase. Yeah. Like we've been talking about on this podcast, there's a lot of fucking games coming out that we there's still need to catch up on. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, I'm I'm still excited to see how Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League does just because it is just such a polarizing game and I fucking love those. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've actually been really enjoying polarizing games a lot more because usually I, I end up feeling pretty okay about them. Mm-hmm. But it's just nice to see the discourse around them and like see what I think about it because, you know, you can only get so much from Twitter, right? So like yeah. it's nice to actually experience <laughs> it yourself and what your own opinion is going to be. So I think that's fun if you have the time for it. <laughs> Obviously. All right, so last thing we have here is uh, Princess Peach Showtime. We got some more transformations to show uh, Cowgirl Peach and Ninja Peach. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it looks great. I think the designs look really cool. I I think the game's aesthetic in general just looks like super neat. Um, It's very like, I don't even know how you describe it. It's very like Kirby meets like Thousand Year Door kind of because it has like the whole stage play sort of thing going on. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of Kirby, I guess, because it's more cutesy and shit, I I guess. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I am unironically pretty excited for it. Like, you know, I think the transformations look like a lot of fun. Again, my main concern about this game is just if the gameplay elements will all connect cohesively enough. So it won't be too jarring. That's still my major concern with this game. Because, you know, if you're playing as Ninja Peach or I guess one of the more combat oriented transformations and then you go into like Detective Peach, would that be like a weird drag to the pacing or or what? You know, like there's a lot of things that make me a bit concerned with this game, but it does seem very unique. And I, I just love the aesthetic of this game. Like it's it's very good. Um, and, you know, Peach is having her own game again after so long. It's also really cool. So I, I do hope it sticks to landing, but uh, I guess we'll see. Uh but yeah, it, it looks really cute, and uh, I'm kind of excited for it. <laughs> yeah, I got the shit pre-ordered. My girlfriend wants to play it very, very yeah. badly. But um, yeah, it's coming out March 22nd. I'm excited for it. I I think these new transformations, Ninja and Cowgirl Peach, are you know pretty much just like additional forms that you could take on and just new powers and new abilities and like you said you know the gameplay styles how is that all gonna mesh together is it going to be as cohesive as they think it is or is it gonna be a sort of like a hodgepodge mess i don't think so i feel like nintendo you know they've worked on the kirby series for a while and obviously this is taking some inspiration from that with like the the different transformations and obviously like every single thing has a different gameplay style and i feel like most of these sequences aren't going to take that long and you're going to move from one stage 
stage to the next and i hope that the tutorials to explain everything is not going to be too drawing and too dried out because you know i know nintendo is known to just like make sure that like everyone who's playing even even if we're like us or like who's like 25 years old or like a kid who's playing like they know what the hell they're doing because you know um if you're sort of having this young player sort of do all of these different things are they going to know how to be kung fu peach and then tr uh go back to being cowgirl peach or whatever the hell is going on so yeah but i'm excited for it i think that this is going to be you know a, a pretty solid uh princess peach game and like you said it's been it's been a while since we've had one of those yeah, it's not since the DS, so it's been a very <laughs> long time. <laughs> uh, yeah, now we will move on to some big hitters within the news. First, we're going to talk about the layoffs within the gaming industry, and then last, we're going to talk about Powered versus the internet, as I like to call it. Yes. Um, but first, the layoffs. So the gaming industry, uh, this was happening towards the end of last year as well, where there were a lot of companies just laying people off, and that has really come full force uh, as of today and as of, I believe, a few days ago. A few days ago, uh, Riot Games laid off 530 people, or 11% of their staff, uh, and they've also axed Riot Forge, which I believe is partially why they axed so many people. Um, but... Riot Forge was their indie publishing thing that just did not pay off, and uh, I could see why, because, you know, League of Legends players, it's going to be hard for them to play anything else but League of Legends. Trust me, my girlfriend is getting into, the, into League of Legends, and she doesn't want to play anything else, and it kills me sometimes. Um, but... Uh, just to take a quote from the article, Riot is offering six months of salary minimum to all laid off cash bonuses and a number of additional benefits and supports, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like Riot is trying their best to do the right thing. And they uh, obviously this is a, a, a business that people are in. It just sucks that these 500 plus people I just kept scrolling on Twitter. And every single time I refresh, it was just a new quote yeah. retweet of someone being like, yeah, I got axed. I, I got let go. And I was like, damn, bro, like that, that fucking sucks because I'm sure that they loved working at Riot and they loved what they were doing but unfortunately uh whatever sort of part of right that they were in was just something that they saw was just not needed anymore and yeah i mean it's just how business works i hope that these people are able to land on their feet just because of how the games industry is it's so volatile and you never know when your job is gonna get like oh just like with these microsoft employees because you know when people hear that you work at microsoft it's like oh that's gonna be like a secure job right well for these uh, almost two thousand people that was not the case yeah, dude, this was, like, really sad to read because, um, you know, I actually really like the idea of Riot Forge a lot because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I always think that, you know, I, I basically stopped playing League for, like, many, many years at this point. I mean, I played it recently, and it is fun, you know, <laughs> playing ARAM. I'm like, I, I remember why this is fun. I, I do like ARAM. ARAM is always fun. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think the League world is so expansive that you could do a lot more with it. Um, and I thought that was, a, you know, obviously Arcane really expanding the, the lore with that and just being a great show in general. And mm -hmm. then with the Riot Force stuff, also expanding on different characters and stuff. But, you know, the games just weren't selling very well. And, I, you know, there were good games. Like on Steam, they have pretty good review scores and stuff. I think it's because Riot just never really advertised them as well as they probably should be doing. Yeah. And, you know, as a result, and they were probably just doing it too much. Like they were just doing too many things at once. It's just like, here's all these games that indie <laughs> games are publishing all at once. And I think it was just a bit too much for people it was like three in a year and i think that's a lot uh you know people only have so much time to to dedicate to that shit so yeah. um and i think them axing basically the whole publishing branch of it is just really sad because i think it had so much potential that could have been done a lot better with and they're only going to publish one more game which is the vandal city tale and like that's it mm -hmm. <laughs> which which it's sad like i, I do 
it does suck that they only did it for like one wave of games and now they're just done with it. And it's also sad for anyone that played uh, Legends of Runeterra because apparently they're also axing a bunch of things from that. Uh, they're only going to focus on the PvE from now on and that game probably isn't going to last much longer anyway. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess I didn't want to refocus on the live service games like Valorant, TFT, and League and soon Project L and the MMO they're still making. Then I guess that's enough for them to be happy. But it still sucks that that had like kill off a bunch of jobs and... I feel like publishing is just getting harder and harder because um, the Warframe developers, DE, also axed their publishing uh, label uh, last year as well. So it just seems like it's not worth it for a lot of these bigger companies to be publishing and developing games at the side. Like, they'd rather just focus their efforts on the games they're making. But, um, you know, it still sucks for everyone involved because th- these were some really cool projects. Um, but that, unfortunately, just won't happen anymore. So, Yeah. yeah. It definitely blows because, you know, they were obviously, you know, I'm just looking at the uh, Riot Forge games. You know, I was kind of excited to, to check out Song of Nunu because that's like a platformer game. Yeah. Obviously, I never got around to it. And all of these games, I believe, are retailing for 30 bucks on whatever platforms that they're on. So I think that that, that is kind of high for like most indie games. I feel like when people think about indie games, they think about like $15, $20. Obviously, inflation has happened recently. So, you know what? $30 might be a little more appropriate these days. But, you know, when you have, I guess, like a player based like league of legends where like they only want to play league it's kind of hard to pull them away from that and sort of have them play like a platformer game or whatever especially when there's so many champions within league where it's like all right well if if, if you're in echo main we have this convergence game that you could play i guess or if you're one of the, the new new mains like i said song of new new is it is a thing so yeah i feel like riot sort of shot themselves in the foot and they were kind of just spreading spreading themselves too thin to a point where it was just not sustainable anymore and unfortunately these people were affected yeah, and um, I guess it also sucks with the Microsoft stuff because, um, you know, I guess this kind of goes into the whole merger thing as well where, you know, they would buy and merge together because, you know, Xbox or Microsoft and Blizzard because all this was mostly on the Blizzard side of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, most of these employees got axed and Blizzard had to cancel their upcoming survival game that they teased a few years ago. So that's axed now. So that sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Yeah, it just hasn't been a good time for, like, a lot of stuff. And it kind of... Hopefully, this doesn't reinforce the thing where it's, like, you know, you keep the one strong IP you have, and then you just, like... Obviously, it's good for people that played that game, right? Like, League's going to get a lot more support for years to come because that's their cash cow, right? But yep. it also sucks because they would never really try much new stuff unless it could make a bunch of profit. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sucks because maybe with the Blizzard stuff, they were just seeing that, you know, Blizzard games in general have just been kind of not doing super hot lately (laughs) and they just probably didn't see the survival game thing being profitable or being able to like 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 oh no you should redouble your efforts in overwatch 2 and stuff instead of making this new game and then just like just acts again this is all speculation but either way it still sucks that so many people have lose their job and we lost a cool new ip from blizzard that maybe could have been something good so um and all that while bobby codex still gets like a shit ton of money for leaving (laughs) the company so yeah all, all that kind of just sucks um you know hopefully things get better but i really don't think so i think the gaming industry has been kind of in the, the shit in terms of layoffs and i don't really see this year being any better uh, someone already did the math i think the amount of layoffs we had in J- uh, january alone has is like more than half of what we had in all of last year and that was a ravi like a pretty bad year for layoffs so yeah hopefully we don't see many more <laughs> but um yeah. I, I think i think we are <laughs> Yeah, unfortunate to those people that uh, got laid off, obviously. Yeah, you know, they had no idea what was going to come to them. But, you know, with the whole merger thing that has happened between Microsoft and Activision Blizzard, it's like, well, you know, we're just going to have to cut these people off uh, because it's just too much for them, I guess. 
Um, and yeah, it does suck that they've also are kind of just like, well, you know, we got Overwatch, uh, World of Warcraft, and Diablo. Why do we need this new Odyssey game? Let's just shove it in the trash, which, you know, is is unfortunate because, like you said, it, it just reinforces this idea between these developers to be like, well, you know, we got this really big thing. So let's just keep making this really big thing better. And you're going to stagnate yourself and there's not going to be as much creativity or innovation within the industry. A lot of the innovation happens nowadays within the indie front because, you know, obviously they have fucking nothing to lose, uh, which I feel like most of these big companies also don't really have a lot to lose other than money. And, you know, money is obviously like a thing that runs these businesses, unfortunately. But, you know, it is just the way that things are. Um, you know, people are constantly bringing up the whole Iwata thing where w- when he was president, when the fucking Wii U was like in actually like the shitter, he was taking a cut and he wasn't cutting people below them. And, you know, there's like multiple quotes about it being like, well, you know, uh, you don't want to scare your employees if you're cutting other people out because that just creates a hostile work environment or something like that. I don't know if that quote was actually from Iwata or what, but, you know, that does it. It just sounds true where it's like you see your homies go and it's like, well, shit. am i next you know kind of thing it's like should i be looking for another place to work at so when your leader is the first one to be like i'm gonna take a price cut or sort of like a cut from their salary it's like okay well shit we gotta like better up we gotta fucking lock in right now and make sure that you know we're doing better as a company and as a whole for the industry but yeah yeah like it's just also better just for one dude to take a gigantic pay cut than thousands of people losing their jobs and having Mm -hmm. nothing even if the severance is good which is nice from riot uh it's Mm -hmm. still like shitty that like mostly when all these companies that oh we're making record profits in the last few years and then like we have the most layoffs we've ever seen so Mm -hmm. yeah something isn't adding up there more like just the fat cats gain fatter with all the money (laughs) so yeah not great so hopefully hopefully this stops but i don't see it stopping (laughs) especially when microsoft is now currently over three trillion dollars but that's neither here nor there Mm -hmm. yep (laughs) All right. All right. You, you take the floor with this one because I right. haven't played Power World, but I have been keeping up with the discourse surrounding it. All right. So, Power World versus Pokemon versus the Instance, what we have here. So, this has been a shit ton of like like discourse around this game. So, uh, you know, if you don't know what Power World is, it's basically a survival game with not Pokemon in them, basically. So, mm-hmm. it has the gameplay loop of like some like Ark or, or Minecraft or whatever. And you have a bunch of Pokemon running around, basically. But they're not Pokemon. But that's sort of where the issues kind of come into play here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the main discourse is on the Power World designs themselves, or I guess the Pals designs themselves. <laughs> um, you know, there's been a lot of allegations against uh, the, I think, Pocket Pair is the name of this developer, uh, of yeah. like, you know, of the models of the of the Pals. So, there's, there's a few things here. One is the fact that a lot of the pals just look like Pokemon. Like, a lot of the um, assets look like from different Pokemon. Uh, You know, there's a good Twitter thread kind of having, like, a comparison between all the Pokemon they kind of, like, stole bits and pieces of. And honestly, yeah. (laughs) Like, a lot of these pals basically look like Pokemon. Like, there's one that looks like Cinderace, but it's grass. There's, like, a not Quagsire. There's a not Luxray. Like, there's a lot of, like designs that are basically like i'm gonna take this design and change it up a bit um so that's pretty bad but it's nothing like illegal right because it's basically like i'm gonna take your homework but change it and then there you go (laughs) Uh, like it's not illegal 
Um, the more damning evidence was that they took the Pokemon models and, like, sort of um, used them as their own rigs and stuff. So, like, you have, you know, there was another t- Twitter thread that would took the, the models of a POW and overlay it on top of a Pokemon. It was basically the same exact thing. Like, the rig and how the, uh, the Pokemon moves was the same thing. Apparently, this has been debunked, and the person that did that comparison was like scaled down the models and stuff to actually make it work so mm-hmm. apparently that's not true but again we we don't really know for sure that's just <laughs> i think that's out there now so so yeah because that threat came up and then the dude literally admitted i lied about it so okay <laughs> and then yep. there's the third thing where people are afraid that these pals were designed using ai because the main president of this company is very into ai and he even had a Twitter thread where he's like, look what you could do with Pokemon if I put them through an AI thing and then they look different. Um, so a lot of people are afraid that a lot of the PALs are basically designed off of AI and then it's just made the 3D models off of that. There's not really a lot of evidence for this because um, PAL World was already being made three years ago. And, you know, you could look back. Like, that's where I've known about the game. I know about this, this game for a while now. And a lot of the designs still look the same. Like, yeah, they're still copying from Pokemon, <laughs> but AI was like shit three years ago yeah. like it wasn't producing the amount of like crazy stuff it could do now so I, I don't really think that's true in terms of the power designs maybe some of them but we don't really know for sure um so yeah those are all the allegations it basically boils down to is it shitty that a lot of the monster designs basically aren't original at all and they're like just super derivative of pokemon yeah is it plagiarism we don't really know yet so that's sort <laughs> of that's sort of like the whole thing that's going on at the moment and you know it's been a huge twitter flame war at the moment um you know some people like that this game is doing so well because it might show Game Freak how to make a better Pokemon game. Uh, other people are defending Game Freak, saying, like, you know, maybe if even if Pokemon games aren't good right now, you still shouldn't steal designs and stuff because it's just, like, immoral and stuff, and you shouldn't do that. Uh, and I think both of those points are correct. Um, and, you know, we had some more brain-dead takes from some other people being <laughs> like, artist integrity doesn't matter as long as the thing is good. And I, I don't really oh, agree yeah. with that either. <laughs> um, I think that's a pretty uh, not great way to view like art mm-hmm. or products or whatever yeah so yeah either way that those are all the major points that people are having basically people are just not g- comfortable with the fact that this game borrows so heavily from pokemon designs and even from other games in terms of gameplay and stuff um and from what i think about all of this is i i agree like i think that it would have been cool if the pocket pair made their own original designs because you know we see a lot of other pocket monster games like yokai watch or digimon like they might have some things that look like similar to other like to pokemon but they are pretty unique like yokai watch especially even though i think the gameplay is not great in yokai watch i I do appreciate a lot of designs like it just takes like the traditional japanese spirits and stuff and makes them like cute and stuff and i think that works really well something with digimon you have some crazy ass designs there for power world a lot of them are just like this is like not a meowth or whatever you know (laughs) so yeah that's kind of lame but i do think in terms of like actual gameplay and stuff it actually is a lot more refined than had any right to be and i guess this is where i'll talk about like, I guess the game before we get into some of the other stuff. Um, so I played around four hours of this game. Um, and yeah, it's fun as fuck. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so unfortunately, yeah, the game is fun. Like, it borrows a lot from actually Pokemon Arceus, where there's just Pokemon. I'm just going to call them Pokemon, whatever. There's just Pokemon everywhere, and you can capture them with your Power Sphere. And it works exactly like Arceus, where you can just throw the ball at them, and then you capture them. Uh, everything is real-time combat. There is no turn-based. So when you have your pal out by just pressing E, you can summon them. They will attack with you, whether you're shooting them or whatever. You can just, like, <laughs> your pal is also doing stuff with you. Uh, and on top of that, it adds survival elements. So you could make your base. You know, you could explore the map, which I believe is not 
randomly generated. It's like a set map for everyone. So like the level design like feels a bit better than uh, other survival games would do. Um, and yeah, you have the typical survival gameplay loop of getting resources, building a base, but you combine that with catching a bunch of Pokemon and shit and raising them up. And it does a cool thing where both of them could connect together where you have some pals that are like kind of shit um, that are not good at combat. They could be good at doing base building stuff. So you could put them in your base and they start building up stuff or they could automate a bunch of stuff for you so they could gather wood for you or mine and stuff. And that's really cool. Like I actually really like how it combines the monster like taming genre with the survival stuff. And it kind of feels like the next step, not for regular Pokemon, but it definitely feels like the next step for the, the Legend series. Like if Arceus, and I loved Arceus, like if Arceus had this type of stuff too, I think it works super well just having the survival game element with the monster catching stuff. And yeah, it just blends together really well. You have like big bosses you could fight. Uh, I think the gameplay is fun enough. Like obviously it's janky because it's early access and shit, but I think both of the a- gameplay elements combine together super well and it's been honestly pretty addicting. Uh, but you know, I, I'm still not for them basically taking a lot of poker because I'm looking at these pals. And I'm like, yeah, that that's a Sobble or that's a Quagsire. <laughs> like, I'm like, that is just like, that's a Ninetales, you know, like, it's just very obvious where they took a lot of the elements from. It's just legally distinct Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then we have some more controversy here. Um, so someone <laughs> made a Pokemon mod, straight up Pokemon mod for Power World that got DMCA'd from Nintendo. So this yep. basically just took all the models from Power World and just made them Pokemon. So you have like um, Wooloo and Pikachu and Torchic and shit. Um, and yeah, Nintendo did not like that. But also you have to keep in <laughs> mind, this mod maker was also uh, like, he wanted you to pay for this mod. So that's also probably a, also a, was a big no-no because you can't profit off the... Um, off others ips obviously so yep. that's also another reason why it got taken down as well which also you know people aren't talking about as much on the headlines but yes that that was another thing that was happening and then lastly uh the pokemon company has made an official statement yesterday about um about all of this being i think they have like a, a whole section about yeah inquiries regarding other companies games basically being like uh don't do that <laughs> like don't <laughs> don't take our ips don't sell them that's not okay and stuff uh, we don't know how much that was about actual Power World or if that was about the mod in Power World. We don't really know. So either way, it's been kind of a mess. Um, but again, uh, in terms of like how true and stuff this stuff is, I think it's like half and half where I think the game is fun. And I do think Game Freak... And the reason why this is doing so well is because... You know, the last few games uh, Game Freak has been making, you know, haven't been up to a lot of people's standards. I, I mean, I don't, I feel that way, but also not really, because I, I really like Scarlet and Violet and Arceus. <laughs> I, I could acknowledge they're very broken games and there's a lot of problems with them. But it's like, like I said, uh, like a podcast ago, like this is the most fun I had with Pokemon in a, in a, in a while. Um, so when Power World came along, I kind of just see it as more like expanding on what something like Legends Arceus of Ivy did and just making it like a, a fun new thing. It's like, yeah, like monster catching with uh, with uh, survival game elements. I think that's really fun. But yeah, it's still not cool that they took so many uh, elements from Pokemon designs and that's sort of like the main artist integrity of it, right? So, I mean, I feel like as long as it's not straight up plagiarism, then it's more like that's kind of shitty, but I guess it's whatever. But if they are actually taking Pokemon models and make them move like, you know, like how the pals are, then that's like not okay. And I wouldn't feel that comfortable keep playing if that is true. But again, I don't fucking know. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so yeah, that's that's what's been going on. And obviously, the game's been selling like fucking insane. This game has sold <laughs> eight million copies in like uh, not even a week, and it has like two million concurrent players on Steam, which is insane. I've never seen that many people playing one game at once, and it's not even like that big of a multiplayer game. It's like mostly like a co-op type thing. So yeah, the success of this game has been insane, and the discourse has been crazier. And I think the game itself is pretty good. So yeah, it's been the whole fucking thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I've just been watching Power World sort of rise to the top within popularity within the gaming community. And it is crazy to see how many copies this game has actually sold. Like, it's not just like players who are also on Game Pass. It's literally people who are buying the game for $30. That's an early access and they're just playing it. I mean, just to like give context for people with Pocket Pair, the developers of this game, you know, obviously they made Power World, but they also made Craftopia. It, that is pretty much a Legend of Zelda clone. Back for the wild, that, yep. <laughs> yep. That is still with an early access. You could buy it right now on Steam for for twenty five dollars. So when people were coming out and being like, "Why isn't it Nintendo, Game Freak, the Pokemon Company coming after Power World?" I'm like, "Well, why didn't Nintendo go after them for Craftopia? Because it's different enough. Where you know, it's obviously clearly inspired by Breath of the Wild, and it's clearly you know the pals within power world that they are clearly inspired by pokemon but there's it's not like they're taking pokemon straight up and just using it within the game like that's why that's why nintendo acted so fast with that modder that they were like all right you're done like you are done so you are getting dmca'd instantly it wasn't even like 24 hours like that guy mm-hmm. was toast so with this game it's like well whatever game freak and the pokemon company find at this point after their official statement it's like what are they gonna do are they gonna sue them are they actually gonna try to dmca take down this game because then if that happens it's like well what's gonna happen to the game like are they going to actually change the pals are they going to overhaul literally everything within the sort of monster designs i think that that would be the only way that they could keep the game up is if they did that obviously i'm not like a fucking legal counsel or anything so i don't know what would happen if they were to actually take legal action against it but yeah i think the reason why pal world is just so successful is because you know it's been years since some people have played an actual like pokemon game and this isn't necessarily pokemon but it you know it has that pokemon aesthetic it's a survival game and they're able to you know have like their little monsters shoot guns yeah fuck it why not it sounds it sounds like a lot of fun you know people are commonly describing this game as pokemon with guns and that's all you have to say to sell people on this game be yeah. like, it's pokemon with guns it's like all right cool i'm down here's my 30 dollars. i'm playing it right now on steam whatever and you know, for people or I guess like Pokemon fans would be like, oh, you know, like I don't really feel comfortable about playing this game because, you know, it takes so much inspiration from Pokemon. It's like, OK, yeah, you know what? That's your agenda. I'm not going to necessarily judge you for it. Where do I stand on this whole, you know, power world versus pretty much everyone situation? It's like, all right, yeah, I get it that, you know, you're like a diehard Pokemon fan and you don't want to support these developers that are, you know, sort of taking heavy inspiration from the Pokemon designs and using it within their game. All right, yeah, but I feel like it's a little bit of dick writing. I don't know. You know, I feel like the Pokemon games recently, like you said, you know, like you you enjoy the recent adventures, but there's a reason why I, I haven't played a Pokemon game in years. It's probably because it, I just hear so much bad press about them. Every single time yeah. a fucking new one comes out, it's just like, it's broken, it's janky. Is it really worth my time to really play it? if it's going to run at like 15 frames on the Nintendo Switch. I don't know. Uh, Will I have fun with it? Maybe. I'm not entirely sure. But am I going to pay that like $60 price tag to find out? No. 
this game's $30. So I think that that's also another reason why people are much more willing to play it and why it's hit over 8 million copies at this point and why it has 2 million concurrent players because it's on PC, it's 30 bucks, and it's Pokemon with guns. What more can you say about the game for it to be successful? And I think no one really saw this game being at this point right now. No one fucking saw that this game is going to sell millions and millions and millions and millions of copies. So... Like, I thought it was a fake fucking game. And when I saw this, like, three <laughs> years ago, I'm like, this is a fake game that just, like, they made the funny trailer trailer with, like, the with like the, the Pokemon and, like, the little conveyor belt making guns and shit. And then, like, Totoro <laughs> shooting a minigun. I'm like, this is fake as shit. Like, this is never going to come out. And then when it actually came out and became one of the biggest things ever, I that surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, you're right about some people being, like, too defensive about Pokemon and, like, dick riding game freak and stuff <laughs> like yeah some people are doing it like that and then you have the other side that are being like yeah fuck everything like yeah fuck <laughs> fuck game freak like this is what they deserve and i'm just like i feel like both sides are kind of cringe with that shit like I, I definitely agree with the side of like more artist integrity thing where it's just like yeah it's just more like a moral thing like yeah i probably shouldn't do that and yeah. um again i think if they just copied the designs like I, I, it's like kind of whatever but if they straight up plagiarized it then yeah that would be more of an issue but like you said i feel like if nintendo knew that they were straight up plagiarizing. Um, they probably this game would have not even come out. I don't think. Like I think they would like yeah. put their foot down a lot sooner than they did. So, mm-hmm. um, but I guess we'll see. Like like in the coming weeks, if they do have a case about it, then yeah, then this game will be put off steam and shit. But <laughs> I think I think it's it's been way too popular so far for Nintendo to like actually have any grounds to like copyright. Like if, they, if anything, Pocket Pair could probably be like oh a parody. <laughs> like it's a parody. <laughs> <laughs> so like I, I feel like they have some weird defense they could use, and that's why it's not like getting copyrighted immediately but um yeah either way i think the game is fun um it's a lot more in-depth than i thought it was going to be a lot of cool systems that combine really well together and i think it is like overall a really fun game but you know to say pocket pair doesn't take heavy inspiration from a lot of things is also kind of like capping and like weird like they that's what most of their games are they even have an upcoming game that's straight up just hollow knight like it just looks like hollow knight but not (laughs) hollow knight so they obviously have a formula here that they like to do just like they take someone's work and like kind of change it up a bit but at least when it comes to Power World, I, I do think it is a fun time. A lot of people are having good times with it. Everyone's fucking playing it. Um, <laughs> and I, I think it's fun. As a Pokemon fan that's been playing Pokemon since I was a fucking baby, like, um, I think that there's some things here that Game for Catch should look at. Like, if they want to make a new Le- RCS game or a new Legends game, I think taking some of these elements uh, and applying it to that, to that game would actually be pretty sick because I, 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 I'm having, like, a lot of fun with Power World. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely think the, uh, I guess, like, the toxic side of it where people are like, yeah, fuck Game Freak and all that other stuff. I think that that is definitely, like, not okay. You know, obviously, I think it's just, that... like, you're not showing them anything. Like, Scarlet yeah. Violet, like, sold, like, 23 million copies. Like, <laughs> like it's whatever. Like, I think just play the game if you want to. And if it, if the plagiarism is, like, actually founded, then I probably just won't support it at that point. I just I'll stop playing it. I mean, I give them yeah. my money or Ravi, but, you know, I'll be, like, I don't talk about it anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we'll see where Power World stands within the next coming months. Uh, I would be very surprised if within a year the game is still on top of the world, you know, kind of thing. Because, oh, yeah. you know, it's definitely going to lose steam at some point. And I feel like with every, like, new major hit surprise game, you know, some of them sort of fall behind. It's sort of keeping players' attentions there. Because, obviously, there's people out there that probably already have 200 hours on this game already. I wouldn't be fucking surprised. Because, you know, big streamers are playing it and, and, and they probably enjoy playing it a lot themselves. So, when is that new content going to come? When are they going to give us new things for people to enjoy? Because, obviously, uh, at a certain point, because the game is in early access, you are kind of encouraged to just continuously update the game, hopefully. Um, yeah. And sort of give players new things to look at, try out, before the game is 
fully released, if you will. You know, a lot of games come out on Steam that are within early access and they just stay there, such as Craftopia. You know, I believe that game is still within early access that Pocket Pair have made. But, you know, will they continue that game? Who the fuck knows? I feel like with Power, they're definitely going to continue making this game because it has sold millions and millions of copies at this point. So, yeah, I mean, they have a roadmap and stuff for more features they want to add. So we'll see if they actually keep with this game. I mean, they could just leave with the fucking money. <laughs> like, they, they don't have to. But, uh, you know, I, I am kind of invested to see what they do with it. You know, new pals, new, like, regions of the world, I guess. But um, I guess we'll see how it develops if they get fucking copyright struck and stuff. But um, I guess we'll see. We'll keep up with this because I feel like this news is going to develop more in the coming weeks. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. All right, so moving on from there, we're going to get into the last part of the show, which is Sonic Prime I, I totally Season forgot. 3. <laughs> <laughs> this is the I last to, thing. I went to a whole rant about, about Tower World. Yeah. <laughs> so let me just uh, get everyone up to speed. We're going to talk about spoilers on Sonic Prime Season 3. This is apparently the final season that they have planned for this Netflix CGI Sonic series. There's no other seasons after this, which is fitting <laughs> for how it ended. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that the season was okay i think that we're at the point within this series that it's just like okay yeah some of the writing is just kind of bad because they're just like well it's for kids and i'm like well it's a 25 year old sonic fan uh these things are just terrible i don't know i feel like sonic is just way too naive towards the, I, at this point he's like way too naive and like certain things like like decisions happen and he changes his mind so quickly like i believe within one episode he's like no we can't fight tails and then like he like surrenders himself and then like the whole goon squad comes in and like invades yeah. and then he's like whoa what the fuck are you guys doing here and then they're like well we're gonna fight him and then he's like all right i guess i i guess we're fighting him now and i'm like i don't know if this writing really adds up here but yeah i mean the whole like nine plot line i think that that was like a fantastic ending for season two where it was like nine is fucking evil and he like yeah. wants to like destroy everything so he could be happy himself and it's like okay yeah like that's fine but the whole season is just about Sonic being like please 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 don't do it and i'm just like i don't know i just i just didn't really like it i, I think the main problem with sonic prime is also how like drawn out it is like it really mm-hmm. didn't have to be three seasons at all this could have been like two seasons like they didn't really have to drag it out as much you know there's a lot of episodes that you could just cut or are just like brainless like fighting mm-hmm. like I, I would say like the animation and stuff uh, even the voice acting i think are, are pretty good um yeah. especially like again the animation i think is really good like i think it's very expressive and stuff it's more just like the assets like they use a lot of the same assets uh, like in the whole show and that's been an issue since season one um where that's why i feel like the fights aren't as exciting as they should be because it's like oh they're fighting a robot sonic or they're fighting an egg forcer (laughs) for like the 50th fucking time so i feel like you could have cut a lot of that out and i think this show should have been like two seasons like i really do like yeah the nine stuff like i think tails being a villain is such a cool twist like you know because you have him being smart like eggman but like you know he kind of knows more stuff like he's not as dumb (laughs) basically and Mm -hmm. shit so i think that's really cool but again like you said with the sonic writing himself you know I think they do lean more towards him being like this feels more like he like how movie Sonic is written, I guess. Like, you know, but movie Sonic I feel like is younger in general and it's like its own canon. So um I feel like this one just makes like modern Sonic. I'm looking at modern Sonic, but he's acting like he's like five, you know? Like <laughs> so it's kind of weird. Like like he's and I know, you know, kids have to learn like friendship important and like all this other bullshit but it's also i feel like there's better ways to do it because sonic has always been like cool right like he's always like really mm-hmm. cool and shit i feel like this one he's just like but don't do it 
<laughs> um, I also yeah. find it funny whenever uh, the show gets like super dramatic because it, it's pretty funny. Like, like when like fucking uh, I forgot the other two tails and they fucking die for a second. Oh yeah, it's Star just, like, and Sales or uh, the fuck? Sales and Mangy, I think. And oh just, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sales and Mangy. Yeah. Like, no, like dude, like, he his, his fucking whole voice acting career and that like shit. Like he was going in. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think overall, I think the show is is good. Like I I, I really like the first season. I thought the first half of season two was pretty good, but then the later half of it was just again mindless fighting. And then this third season felt like it could have been like like a like an hour special or something. Right? <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't have to be seven episodes, but yeah, that's kind of how I end. I, I, I feel I still feel more positively about it than most Sonic fans. Like most Sonic fans, fucking hate this show. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's just okay. I think there's just some things that could have been done a lot better. So yeah, I definitely feel like you know this is just like I guess a a. A syndrome of of it being like a kids show, if you will, like them marketing yeah. it as like a Netflix kids show. So that sucks about it. But you know, there are obviously good things about it, like you said, with the animation. I think that a lot of the fight scenes they were animated very, very well. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah. Like uh, I believe when it was Sonic and the Knuckles variant versus Nine. Like I think that that yeah, like, that looks sick. Fu- yeah. Yeah, that fight sequence. I was like, damn, we're like up close and personal. We're seeing Knuckles like fucking throw hands. Well, like, okay, okay. <laughs> I can see it. I can see what they're doing. And obviously, like the voice acting is like amazing. I think that everyone really does bring it their all. And yeah. obviously, with Shadow's voice, Shadow's voice actor is praised infinitely every single time it's so Sonic good, Prime dude. is talked about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the uh, the interaction with the roses, I think I, I really, really like that part because it was yeah. just like, oh, you know, like girly pop, you know, like we're, yeah. we're working together, you know. Girl it's, power, girl boss. It's just a lot of fun, you know. I think that the writing and sort of like how the characters shape and sort of how they move and or sort of how they interact with each other. I think that that was like a main problem with it. I can't believe we have another Sonic media thing where it's like Sonic gets a virus and then he's about to die again. <laughs> I'm, right, just like, I'm like, yo, are we doing this shit again? We had it within Sonic Frontiers and we also had it within the Sonic IDW series, which, you know, Ian Flynn was a writer at the time for that Zombot arc, which happened to also be working on Sonic Frontiers. I don't think he worked on anything within Sonic Prime or whatever as far as I know maybe he was like a supervisor or something like that but anyways another thing where Sonic's just like I'm dying uh, and I'm like okay alright we get it <laughs> we get it um, but you know it was definitely nice to go and see I guess like that final conclusion where like Sonic's like I've learned my lesson and no one really knows that I went on this whole fucking three season adventure before getting up to this point where I don't break the uh, shards or whatever yeah so yeah, I think overall, I, I think the show is good. Like, you know, I actually ended up caring a lot, like, about some of the variants more than I thought I was going to. Now, I still really like the Dread stuff from season two. Like, I thought that was a fun, like, variation of Knuckles. Like, the Amy's, you said, were, were like, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they had the whole fucking endgame moment when they're all, like, going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> but, um, no, I think overall, I, I still, I feel pretty positive about the show. Like, all the things I said. Uh, Shadow and I can't praise enough like you know I, mm-hmm. I love his voice I think there's a great voice for Shadow please you know just bring him for the games <laughs> please um, yeah. and like I said like the like the, the animations is really good as well but I think it really kind of falls apart more being that just really long winded like it, it's so long winded it really didn't have to be this long um, and the fact that I think Sonic's characterization really sours a lot of people like I think that's like probably the number one problem with the show for a lot of people. Uh, at least that's what I see on Twitter. Like, people hate this version of Sonic. <laughs> and, I, I, and I don't even think, like, his voice actor is good, too. Like, I, I, yeah. I like uh, whoever voices him uh, for, for this Sonic. But, and I get it. I don't hate this version of Sonic as much as some other people do, but I definitely get why he's, like, kind of, like, just a weird, like, naive child in this one as opposed to how he usually is in other games, you know? So. 
Yeah, I feel like, you know, Sonic would be a lot smarter and a lot more, I guess, like, witty about it also and not sort of just be like, Nine, please don't, don't, yeah. please, please don't kill everything. And it's like, all right, well, this is like the hundredth time that you're trying to talk him out of it. And then I guess, I guess it finally worked once Nine realized that, like, everything was going to collapse or whatever. So that really also soured Nine's character as a whole because it was just like, oh, you know, like, he's like this cool sort of Tails variant that sort of, you know, really had nothing because Sonic wasn't there for him. And then he went evil and you know for most of season three he's just like i'm gonna kill sonic and i'm like all right i guess i mean (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's like the next course thing that you can do and then he's like but i need his energy so that i could you know stabilize everything and i'm like all right well that's not gonna happen obviously (laughs) so i don't know i guess it's just like you know uh kids show stuff that you know the writers are just like well you know the kids aren't gonna see this coming when we're gonna bring back uh sales and whatever in Meiji. the uh, yeah in the stupid big mech or whatever and i was just like all right i guess i mean i didn't really see that coming i thought that they were just dead i was like all right cool i they're like dead. forgot i like forgot what even happened because they like blew up <laughs> and i'm like oh they're not dead like you know i literally thought that to myself and and then i, I didn't even realize it didn't come back until then that was like an episode later i'm like oh shit i guess some poor kids just thought they were dead for like the whole time <laughs> um but yeah hopefully if they do do another sonic series i would love to see a sonic series power um animated by powerhouse like that would be really sick you know they've done all the intros and stuff for the uh, newer games they also done i think they did that uh that trailer the knuckles trailer pr- pr- uh like uh what do you call that prologue thing for um sonic frontiers and that was really cool like just mm-hmm. an anim- anime sonic thing would be really sick um because uh especially by that team because they they animate sonic characters very well um but uh i guess the only thing else we gotta look forward to is the the movie right now for <laughs> not game media. But yeah, I think yeah, yeah overall Sonic Prime. I, I don't think it's as bad as some people are saying, but I definitely think it could have been a lot better. So yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. I definitely think that the next Sonic animation TV show thing should definitely be two D. Um, I think that, you know, we've had our fair share of like 3D CGI stuff, obviously with the movie still going on and obviously with Sonic Prime. I think that those two were good enough. I think that uh, going back to the 2D roots and sort of having it be 2D animated, whether it's in the classic era or the modern era, I don't really care. I just want, you know, good Sonic stuff, obviously, you know, even though if it is just like, you know, little adventures or whatever, it's fun to see these characters interact. Yep. I do love Sonic, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that is it for this episode of the Travis and Damien podcast, episode 130. Is there anything else you would like to add, Damien? Uh, No, that's everything. All right. So thank you guys for listening to the Travis and Damien podcast once again. And we will see you guys two weeks from now with another episode. See ya.